This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Fast, gotta listen to this podcast. Give me a minute, what I said. They're talking about a bad book I've read. Bad books for beginners. Bad books you like, bad books you like, bad books you like, bad books you like. Tell me what I miss. Talking about with Jerry and Chris. You know I love that man. Bad books a winner. Bad to Bad books for beginners. Bad books for beginners. Hello. And welcome to this edition of TBU's Bat Books for Beginners, episode 196. My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And we are your hosts. On Bat Books for Beginners, we will examine story arcs with Batman and related characters. We'll give you the historical background of the book, break down the plot and the art, and give you our opinions so you can decide for yourself if they're worth a read. Today's Bat Book Chris and I are covering is Last Rites. Chris, tell us a little bit about this book. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jerry. Hey, Excellent job with some blind faith. Do what you like there. Thank you. Thank you. One of my favorite songs from the olden days. (laughs) That's an awesome (laughs) job. That that was really cool. Uh, Thank you so much. Well, Jerry, this is a first for me in doing my research for this episode. I don't think any of the issues we're covering are collected in one single trade volume. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm mistaken about this, please contact me on Twitter at b 2 Batbooks or by mail at bruce.wayne at gothamcity.us. In this episode, we're going to cover the individual Batman-related titles cover dated from the year 2009 that were denoted with the words Last Rites on the cover, as this was, quote, uh, an event <laughs> with Batman <laughs> about the aftermath a story arc from Batman R.I.P. and the aftermath of Bruce Wayne's disappearance during Final Crisis. Okay, now's the time to get out your scorecards for the issues that we're reading for <laughs> Last Rites in this respective order. And note, each issue had a cover price of $2.99. First up, we had Nightwing number 151. This was the Great Leap epilogue, cover dated... February 2009, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Doug Monkey, Sean Mole, Christian Alame, and Rodney Ramos. Next, Batman 682. The Butler did it. This was cover dated January 2009, written by Grant Morrison, and art by Lee Garbett. Batman 683, What the Butler Saw, cover dated January 2009, written by Grant Morrison, and art by Lee Garbett. Detective Comics, number 851. This was... Last Rites, Last Days of Gotham, Part 1, cover dated February 2009, written by Dennis O'Neill, and art by Gillum March. Batman 
number 684, Last Rites, Last Days of Gotham, Part 2, cover date of February 2009, written by Denny O'Neill, art by Gila March. Next up, Detective Comics 852, Faces of Evil, Part 1, cover date of March 2009, written by Paul Denny and art by Dustin Gwynn and Derek Fridloffs. Batman number 685, Faces of Evil Part 2, cover dated March 2009, written by Paul Denny and art by Dustin Gwynn and Derek Fredloffs. Nightwing number 152, Faces of Evil Eminence Front, cover dated March 2009, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Don Kramer and Jay Listing. Nightwing number 153, Black Dawn. This was the final issue from Volume 1. It was an Origins and Omens tie-in. It was cover dated April 2009. It was written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by Don Kramer and Jay Listing. And finally, last up, Robin, number 183, Robin Dies at Dawn. I believe this was the final issue of that volume. It was cover dated April 2009, written by Fabian Nezienza. Art and cover were done by Freddie E. Williams. Okay. Wow. For this episode, it's going to be a little bit different, as we are not covering a known individual trade paperback with one creative team. In the interest of time for our listenership, we may forego the complete comprehensive list of all the creator bios here. There are over a dozen names of creators involved with these comic books, and while we don't want to diminish their work and contributions to the medium... It's going to practically take up the majority of a whole podcast show in and of itself to do so. And I think, Jerry, our show is primarily a discussion of the story and the artwork itself. Agreed. Also, I think it's fair to say all of the creators listed have previously been mentioned on our prior episodes of our show before. However, I really want to mention some that I don't think we've talked about in recent months. And with that, per usual, I'll go off my memory and some online online resources. First up, writer Denny O'Neill. Mind you, this will be with very broad brushstrokes. Dennis J. Denny O'Neill was born May 3rd, 1939 in St. Louis, Missouri, making him 79 years old. Wow, I just Mm. didn't think he was up there. (laughs) Good for him. Mm. O'Neill graduated from St. Louis University, known to the locals there as SLU, around the turn of the 1960s with a degree centered on English literature, creative writing, and philosophy. From there, he joined the U.S. Navy, just in time to participate in the blockade of Cuba during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Upon leaving the Navy, O'Neill moved on to a job with a newspaper in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. O'Neill wrote the bi-weekly columns for the youth page, and during the slow summer months, he filled the space with a series of revival uh, of the comic book industry. That attracted the attention of Roy Thomas at Marvel Comics, so O'Neill got a job at Marvel. He worked on Doctor Strange and Rawhide Kid, among others. However, it was at DC Comics, where he'd become a fan favorite and receive acclaim. Now, he teamed with uh, artist Neil Adams on Green Lantern, teaming him with Green Arrow, and the socially relevant stories that dealt with racism, violence, overpopulation, consumerism, and drug problems, among others. O'Neill would also work on the Batman title and created the characters Ra's al Ghul and his daughter Talia. I probably first encountered Denny O'Neill's work as a little kid on Batman number 251 in the classic story The Joker's Five-Way Revenge, and shortly thereafter I'd stumble upon his prior Green Lantern work. And at my very, very young age, seeing these comic books back then, I knew there was something different about them. Seeing these comic books, this was something special. There was something different about them, and there was something relevant. Now, he ping-ponged between Marvel and DC, and he was the editor of Batman in the mid-1980s. O'Neill's credits pretty much fall under the category, quote, too numerous to mention, because uh, we just can't list everything here, and he's won numerous awards in the comic book industry. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think we've mentioned Gillam March's name recently. However, I wasn't able to find much background about him. Uh, Gillam March is a Spanish comic book artist and a professional illustrator. He worked for the Spanish publisher Eros Comics on some of their adult comic books in the year 2000. His first published comic book work for DC was also his, de- his debut in the American comic book industry on the 2008 title Joker's Asylum, Poison Ivy. And he later worked on other titles, including Batman, Detective Comics, Azrael, Oracle the Cure, Gotham Gazette, and where I most notably uh, would think associated with him with is Gotham City Sirens. Hmm. I also want to mention uh, artist Lee Garbett. Garbett is a British comic book artist born in the West Midlands. He's the co-creator of Skyward, and that's a comic from Image, which I really, really enjoy. And that's currently in development with Sony Pictures, and I really love that book. Hmm. Now... As such, you know, since I couldn't find an actual book on this, I couldn't find an actual rating on Amazon. <laughs> but over on Goodreads, there were uh, just two issues there that listed that we're covering. Batman 682 is one that we were looking at, and that had a 3.94 average rating based on uh, 16 submissions. And Batman number 683 had a 3.5 average rating based on 15 people chiming in. And with that, mm-hmm. I shall turn it back over to you, Jerry. Wow. Thanks, Chris. So Chris and I are going to talk about this story after a few messages from some of our friends. Sawete. My name is Stella, and I am the host of Backroll to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Backroll to Oracle is a podcast dedicated to Barbara Gordon, the first woman to hold the mantle of Backroll for an extended period of time, roughly 1967 to 1988. The goal of Backroll to Oracle is to examine the character's history from her first appearance as Backroll and continuing through her tenure as Oracle. Each episode looks at a vintage issue of Detective Comics or Batman, as well as other books like Justice League and Freedom Fighters and modern issues of Batgirl and Birds of Prey. I also keep track of news involving Batgirl and other members of the Bat family, and I have a revolving series of segments like Babs in the Tube, which highlights appearances of Babs in TV and film, Shipper Spotlight, which looks at a variety of comic and pop culture couples, gives their history, and determines whether they are hot or not, Reading with Stella, which could be described as an audio drama, or just me reading a book that relates to Babs or doesn't, and of course, the mainstay literature recommendation. I've been blessed to interview writers Scott Beatty and Chuck Dixon on their backroll year one work, Brian Q. Miller on his backroll run, Dwayne Swarzynski and Christy Marks on their separate Birds of Prey work, and the creators and actors of the backroll spoiled the web series. I hope to interview more creators and actors in the future. My goal, most importantly, is to make a fun, entertaining, and thoughtful show that people enjoy and from which they learn. Find the show online at thebatmanuniverse.net and iTunes, and follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at Batgirl to Oracle. Thank you, and fly on, Babs lovers. Welcome back. Here is the story of Last Rites. So keep in mind, all of these stories concern the various members of the Bat family dealing with the disappearance of Bruce. They are the ends of story we've covered on the show before, or some short news stories, or just a bunch of interesting um, pieces of of, uh, plot. So let's see what we have. When we last left Nightwing, he was upset about Two-Face having killed Carol Binghamton, uh, Harvey Dan's ex-love, whom he was supposed to protect. Surprise, Carol isn't dead. She's just hiding out in Minnesota. Over pizza and beer, the two discuss how Nightwing was able to spirit her away. Nightwing visits Harvey and Arkham, and the two disagree about a whole host of things. Nightwing meets up with his girlfriend, Deb, who tells him that she's leaving New York City because of all the violence that we've seen over the course of uh, the past few issues, and the two will have to break up. 
the bodies of all the dead superheroes are moved to the basement of JLA headquarters so no one else can try to clone them or resurrect them. Dick does a multiple record-setting space parachute jump down to where Alfred and Tim wait for him to land. The three go back to Stately Wayne Manor for ice cream floats and watching The Magnificent Seven. Now, Bruce is in an isolation tank, monitored by Dr. Simon Hurt, and his memories and alternate reality thoughts are running wild. He remembers Alfred pulling bullets out of him, breaking up with girlfriends, his dark life before finding Dick Grayson at the circus. His life became happier and more colorful with Dick by his side. He dates Batwoman until she breaks his heart. Disco Nightwing also makes an appearance. As does the death of Bruce's parents, only this time they don't die. They live, and Bruce is raised by them. Weaker, emotionally weaker, than he was when raised by Alfred. Back as Batman, he remembers Jason Todd's ill-fated career, and Tim Tim Drake's spunk, and Barbara Gordon's paralysis, and Bane breaking his back. Also fighting Asriel upon his return to the Cape and Cal. Gotham's earthquake. Even the Batman of Zurinar makes an appearance, as do the events of Final Crisis. It turns out that Dr. Hurt is trying to download Batman's memories to create super soldiers using a kind of clay-faced-looking guy called the Lump, who is kind of impersonating Alfred in Bruce's psyche. Batman figures it out and fights his way out of his psyche. Lump is killed, the army destroyed. Yay, Batman! Several years ago, the actress Millicent Maine is in a theater and confronted by some thugs led by another thug named Gracchus. They want to give her a bag of diamonds in exchange for something. Then the Gotham earthquake hits, destroying the theater. The bag of diamonds gets dropped and the actress exits the theater. She's seen and photographed and called the face of Gotham by the news in a hopeful response to the tragedy. More recently, Gracchus wants to harm her because he hates the positive publicity she's getting. The gang's burglar society party she's at with Gracchus dressed as Two-Face, and he splashes her face with acid. Dick Grayson gets Oracle to give him intel on possible locations of Two-Face, and he heads to an auto shop to find him. There he finds Gracchus's goons who are able to trick and defeat him, leaving him to burn in a fire. He escapes with the help of a pizza delivery guy. To add further insult to injury, his motorcycle is stolen. The fake Two-Face is doing robberies all over town and publicly threatens a big society party. But instead of attacking the party, he goes to a destroyed theater. Now, the now-scarred Millicent Maine haunts. The diamonds that were dropped during the earthquake are still there. Gracchus and his men, who were just joshing about attacking the party, are there to recover the diamonds. They find them, and Nightwing swoops in and kicks their butts and returns the the diamonds to the GCPD. Yay. When we last saw Hush, also known as Tommy Elliot, he had changed his face to look like Bruce Wayne, and was chased out of Gotham and made penniless by Catwoman. Since Bruce is missing, he uses his similar looks to get rescued from the water, get into a posh club, and arrange a pricey yacht vacation with a pretty widow. He kills the widow, sells the boats, and cons Wayne Enterprises out of a few million bucks. Eh, He's back in business. He has a near miss with some soups who he suspects may know his secret identity. He decides to hide out in Vietnam where no one will recognize him. Even backwater rebels read the papers, though, and kidnap him for some cool cash. Especially when they're directed by Catwoman, who doesn't like her Bruce to be impersonated. Also, she's still upset with how he removed her hearts a few issues back. Selena's been trying to usurp an animal smuggling operation when she heard about Bruce Wayne being in Vietnam. 
She called in some personal guards and guards and frees the animals. And she, Tommy, and the guards make a run for it. They make their way to a boat on the river, and Tommy tries to bribe the two guards to betray her. Too bad they're Nightwing and Tim Drake in disguise. Womp womp. They fight. Tommy gets knocked out. They go back to Gotham and keep him in a cell atop Wayne Tower. Tommy vows revenge. Maybe some other time, because this story's over. Dick Grayson is sad about Bruce's disappearance and fears he is dead. He remembers the time that he and Batman lit a candle and he made the promise that allowed him to become Robin. He finds the wax from that burning candle still in the Batcave. He's alone because Alfred is in China doing some business for Bruce. Suddenly, a swarm of ninjas descend on Dick, who's in Nightwing gear, and they're aiming for a fight. Nightwing takes care of them all, much to the delight of Rachel Ghoul, who's webcamming with the Batcave. Come on, Dick, put some tape over the webcam. Doesn't Oracle teach you anything? Rache says he didn't want to hurt him, just wanted to talk face to face. So Dick heads to the meeting place, uh, the Thar Desert near Pakistan. Rache has a hidden Lazarus pit in the cave beneath the desert floor. He muses how he used the pit to tempt Tim Drake to no avail. They wonder how Dick would have reacted to the offer to bring his parents back to life. Anyhow, Raish wants to know if Batman, the detective, is dead. Dick doesn't know, but that doesn't stop the demon's head from rubbing a little salt in his wound. Raish gives Dick a sword, and Nightwing reluctantly fights him. And beats him. Raish offers him the sword, as it was also the one that Batman had used against him long ago. Dick says, nah, I'm good. But upon his return to the Batcave, he finds the sword in the cave anyway. Dick is moving out of his place in the cloisters. Well, the Justice League is doing a lot of the moving for him. He returns by train to Gotham City, where Alfred meets him at the station. They drive near Crime Alley, where Dick notices a lamppost with a broken bulb. Back home, he and Tim help Alfred clean up the Batcave from the earthquake. They retrieve the Penny Plunderer's giant penny from a deep crevice. Alfred tells Dick that Tim seems to be in denial about Bruce being gone. Dick says they have to respect the way he copes. While the other heroes have come back from the dead, Dick and Alfred believe Bruce to be gone for good. A dejected Tim overhears their conversation. Dick thinks about Wayne Manor being the only home he ever knew and finds the candle he took his bat oath with. He goes out into the night on patrol to Crime Alley where he changes the light bulb on the lamppost. He imagines how horrible Bruce's parents' death must have been for the boy, and he isn't so different with his parents dying. He lights the bad oath candle and reaffirms his devotion to keeping the light alive. He thanks Bruce for bringing hope to Gotham City. Then he takes the wheelchair-bound Barbara Gordon skydiving for her birthday for an issue. Oh, so nice. It was a surprise. Also, Lady Shiva's in Gotham City Hotel, eating the complimentary chocolates. She pens a poem for Tim Drake Robin, telling him Robin dies at dawn, and adds some other stuff that he's meant to decipher to figure out where she wants to meet. On his way out to meet her, uh, Tim Drake finds Jason Todd in the Batcave. Jason's still recovering from being shot in the leg. Bruce had left him a message, which only he should hear. He does, and leaves. On his way to meet Shiva, Tim thinks about all the people he cares about, and all the enemies he must fight. He meets up with Shiva on a rooftop, and the two do fight. She hurts Tim, but then she mysteriously collapses. Remember those hotel chocolates? Yeah, they were drugged. Tim, you are such a smarty pants. <laughs> Nightwing helps take her to prison. Tim thinks that maybe he needs to change things up a bit. I wonder how. And that's the end of these stories. So Chris and I are going to talk about our feelings for the stories after these words from some of our friends. <laughs> 
Hello, I'm Pat Sampson, and I would like to invite you to join me on my podcast, The Longbox Crusade. On this podcast, I'm reading through my 20-plus longboxes that I have stored away in my basement. On each episode, I will select a random issue from my collection and take a very highbrow, thoughtful approach to examining these truly American art forms that help to shape our popular culture. Oh, oh, I like comics, too. Uh, can I get a comic out of my long box that syncs up with the month and year of the comic from your long box and chat about that, too? Oh, oh and video games. Can we talk about games? Or, or maybe James Bond, too. I love James Bond. <sighs> Fine. Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. the Yard Sale Artist. We can add some of your comics and enthusiasm to the show. It might help get a deeper introspection of... Did someone say James Bond? I love James Bond, and I love comics, too. I can bring a comic from my long box to sync up with you guys. I also love movies and music, even news stories that tie into the time period that match the comic books we review. Uh, This is what I get for inviting both the Albrecht brothers into my show. Jason, how the heck can we fit all that into my deeply intellectual review of... Well, you know what? Fine. Let's do it. Let's cram it all into one podcast. Join us on the Longbox Crusade, folks. We'll bounce around in time from issue to issue, pulled randomly from my longboxes, and the Alpert Brothers will bring along issues with the same month and year cover date. We'll talk about the comics and the time period they come from, including... World news of that time. Top 40 music chart toppers. Movies, both good and bad. Maybe even some favorite recipes. Whatever I think is funny. We'll probably have to suffer through things that Jared thinks are funny. We'll jam it all into one pop culture extravaganza, examining the comics in my longbox and the time period surrounding them. Join us for a wild ride through time on the Longbox Crusade podcast as we attempt to read them all. What's in your longbox? Welcome back. Okay, Chris, what'd you think? Jerry... Carol is alive, and I feel like an idiot. <laughs> oh, no. No, but, you know, I guess we thought she might be alive, and here she is. Uh, yeah. This this issue, initially, we had with uh, Dick, we, we got a lot of closure, and it seemed mm-hmm. like uh, they were wrapping up a lot of loose ends with, yeah. with the, this character and this, this arc. And I like that... Uh, and almost like seeing the last episode of a kind of a favorite TV show of a character, you know, where you, you mm-hmm. if any, there was anything like plot lines, they got resolved pretty much there. Yeah. Carol had enough, and she's going to go out to all, all, all places. I think she mentioned she was going to go to San Jose, but Dick remembers <laughs> about the uh, wildfires and earthquakes, and oh, yeah. that's where you want to go. And she says, yep, I'm not staying here. <laughs> so. Uh, I thought it was kind of cool that uh, she was living in Minnesota, and Dick had the caring enough to track her down and find her and deliver pizza from 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 Bloodhaven which was really cool with, with delivery yeah. cap and all and I thought I thought that was kind of a nice touch mm-hmm. uh, I thought the female characters in this book were given their fair due they weren't really uh dismissive they had a voice you know granted that they weren't going to remain in Dick's life but they had their moment in in, in a chapter in the annals of Dick history and I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of cool yeah. Did any of this resonate with you? I mean, were you glad to see Carol? Did you carry their way one way or the other, or yeah. did you think it was kind well, of superfluous? I so you know you you mentioned in our last show about and correctly so about um, you know Carol just kind of dying for no good reason and just really to help the story move forward. Uh, it turns out here uh, that she's not dead, so she's out of the fridge, but. 
most of the stuff in our last story is undermined by the fact that she's not dead, right? Dick was upset with himself for letting her be killed. So it turns out that maybe they got a little, I don't know if they got some criticism for that or, or you know, a lot of people were upset like you were um, about her dying. Uh, but it kind of undermines the whole, a lot of the, you know, internal dialogue that um, that he went through, that Dick went through in the last issue. So I thought it was a little kind of unfortunate. Um, this story you mentioned is really tying up loose ends. You know, there's a lot of things going on editorially in D.C. at this time with the Bat family. And it seems like they're kind of moving the pieces around to kind of get everything organized for the next phase in, you know, Bat family history. And it's good, right? The next phase that's coming is good stuff. Um, but this is just kind of a collection of odds and ends. Um, but, you know, I know that there were a lot of things in, for example, the, uh, the Grant Morrison story. There's probably a lot of things that you picked up, um, in those stories, I'm sure. Yeah, let's move on to that. We uh, yeah. looked at Batman number 682 and 683 kind of together. And there was just a huge tre- treasure trove, if you are a longtime Batman fan, of panels that, kind of depicted classic moments from old Batman comics. And I almost started to make a list because I really, really got into it. And just seeing them depicted by a different artist was really, really cool. Uh, yeah. There was the uh, bit where uh, Batman bursts through the window and he sees Dr. Death. And Dr. Death is his <laughs> Batman's first recurring arch foe that to, to appear mm-hmm. twice. We saw Hugo, Strange, Hugo Strange's monsters from Batman number one. Mm. The first appearance of the Batmobile, and it was this big long red coupe that makes an appearance uh there was a story uh that had a panel with a batman and batwoman on an alien world and that was a reference to batman number 153 in a story called prisoners of three worlds which was just mm-hmm. a really really classic story jerry i want to keep going because uh, there There's was other stuff. stuff now batman 63 uh batman 244 the cla- classic neil adams cover with uh batman lying with racial ghoul with a sword batman uh, yep. number 251 uh, there was a scene with him in a giant water tank and a guy in a wheelchair with a shark coming at them. That was from uh, Joker's mm-hmm. Five-Way Revenge from Batman 251. Uh, we wow. had Moon of the Wolf from Batman 255. And we also had an allusion to uh, Batman 156, the Robin Dies at Dawn story, and even the killing mm-hmm. joke. So we, we got up to yep. speed, uh, Batman's back being broken by Bane. There was just so many... Many, many things here. And in the cord, the cover, I do want to mention the covers to these two books were done by uh, Alex Ross, who did a mm-hmm. marvelous, marvelous job on those two things. They were really, Beautiful. really good. Yeah, I found that it, it was interesting, you know, seeing all those, those flashbacks. Um, the story did go from, you know, remembering things that we know happened in Batman continuity to things that were kind of speculative. What if? You know, Bruce's parents weren't killed um, and um, Bruce was raised by his parents instead of Alfred and and seeing how his life would have been different. So I think that was really interesting. It was the, the narrative kind of, you know, going back and forth was a little confusing. But I, th- I think, a, you know, an alert reader would be able to keep up. And definitely, as I went I would through hope a couple so. of times. I really would hope yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I, th- I thought that was uh, interesting stuff. If not necessarily narratively um, strong, it was definitely lots of stuff for Batman fans to, to get excited about. Absolutely. I, I, I really think as somebody who's a long-time Batman fan. I hope some of these things weren't necessarily lost on a new reader, but I hope that mm-hmm. that'd be something they would seek out and, and try to yeah. find if possible. Uh, some of the material was reprinted in a book called Batman from the 30s to the 70s. I know mm-hmm. 
it was kind of a staple in most libraries in the U.S. at one point. I don't know if it's sort of fallen by the wayside, but mm. that that's a that's almost a good, nice little bit of Batman history if you can find that uh, book online at a fair price. I, I mm-hmm. confess I don't know what what it's going for uh, in the back issue market, but that that was a really good book, and some of those classic Batman stories can be found there. Yeah, great. Now going on to the the Catwoman story with um, with Tommy Elliot, this was um, definitely a, a good narration story, a good plot, you know, nice arc. Um, did, how did you think about you know how Catwoman was portrayed and and kind of how Tommy Elliot is trying to use his, use Bruce's persona to you know get get some money back. Well, Jerry, first up, I want to mention the artwork on this the particular piece was done by Dustin Gwynn, who is mm-hmm. no, certainly no stranger to uh, drawing Catwoman and Tommy Elliott. We covered them when we talked about Heart of Hush, among other things. And I, I, when I talked to some fans, you know, uh, they really liked Dustin Gwynn, or they're yeah, a little turned off by the angular look of it. I, I, mm-hmm. I myself am a fan. I think he does yeah. a gorgeous Catwoman. Uh, some people said uh, Gwynn's an acquired taste. Eh, I don't know. But I mm-hmm. think he's a fair artist, and he's definitely unique. And I really like the yeah. way he draws Catwoman. It, it's yep. very sleek lines, and yep. what more could you want from a Catwoman? Jerry, you Absolutely. asked about the uh, voice and essence of the character. I thought this was really spot on. I really got a vibe of a more independent Catwoman, a real, mm-hmm. real clever thinking Catwoman here, which sometimes is a treat, and sometimes I don't think some writers really got a handle on the particular mm-hmm. Cinelina Kyle Catwoman character with her essence. I, I mm-hmm. really like when she's the statistician, when she's in the driver's seat, and yeah. I think we got a lot of that here. Yep, I agree. And I like the same thing with her. I think she's, you know, um, she hears about Bruce. Oh, Bruce Wayne is in Vietnam. So she goes to check it out and finds that it's not Bruce, it's Tommy. And it's like, ah, oh, I, I know how to take care of you. <laughs> and I like that. <laughs> yeah. The, and, and, and seeing, you know, um, Dick and Tim uh, also show up uh, kind of helping her in disguise is, is it's a little heavy handed, but I thought it was uh, it was a fun little twist. It was a fun little twist because I think in a lot of Tommy Elliott stories that you and I have read in the past, we get a lot of Tommy Elliott introspection, be it good or mm-hmm. bad. There's not a lot of uh, open narrative. There's a lot more internal narrative, which drives sure. the story. And while we got that here it was fun to see him maybe not as in control mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or in in past batman stories i thought this was one of the more better reads of the things we looked at yeah yeah i, I really enjoyed this catwoman story uh, i thought that was a lot of fun you know moving on to to a the the rachel ghoul story uh you know i think i think it's always fun to see you know Rach and um, i i like him as a character um, why I did have a little question about why he sent uh, all those ninjas to the Batcave to fight Dick when you know probably an email would have done just as well. Yeah, you know it's not Raisha style. You know I, I just think you know he's 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 got to have he's got to send minions to summon someone. You know I, I don't even I think he's more old school and he email. What's this? No, we yeah. we do things my way. I I don't know. I think yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because in in any time. Uh, I've seen stories where similar things have come when Raish wants to contact you. He <laughs> sends a minion to do it. He's, he's not into this. Maybe Talia would be yeah. a little more thing with with a, with a note or what have you. But you know, even in the old Batman RPGs I was in, <laughs> you, the Raisha goal, yeah, he would send minions to come after you. And you know, <laughs> yeah, you, do you want to come by force or do you want to come willingly? I mean, he demands an audience. You know, and I, I thought that was a character. The one thing that I, I thought was a little bit 
taken aback. As I've said in past episodes, anytime when you see racial goal, I'm expecting stories with a more broader scope, more mm-hmm. uh, worldly, if you will, not not yeah. necessarily confined to just a one issue or two. Mm-hmm. This was a lot shorter than uh, of a tale of, that we had with this character. Mm-hmm. It was somewhat interesting nonetheless, but I, I don't know if I liked it as the other material uh, covered mm-hmm. in this particular episode. And I just can't put my finger on why. I, I just don't know mm-hmm. if the voice wasn't quite there, if there wasn't just... You know, Ra's Ghoul, you really can't have this guy... If Let's say it's a... Uh, it's a Batman story uh, buffet, and you go up to the buffet. Mm-hmm. You just can't take a scoop of Ratio Ghoul. You you basically have to have the whole feast of Ratio Ghoul, and we only got we only got like an appetizer. I think a I don't taste. know. Yeah, I hear you. You're, yeah, I think you're right about that. It was. It seemed, um, you know, in a in a Ratio Ghoul story, you, you they should be more important, right? Bigger. Yes. Yes. And this, he just wanted to ask Dick, "Hey, where's where's Batman?" You know, and that really was the whole thrust of the of the. Um, the story and it seemed a little light to me so then on the uh the the last story the uh lady shiva and tim drake story um i you know again i think that this seemed to be you know we know that we now know that uh tim drake is going to be moving into a new role in the bat family and this is a step in that direction I'm not really sure otherwise what the purpose of the story is, other than it's always fun to see to see Tim out with somebody. That was fun. What'd you think about it? Well, yeah, Jerry, I, I really don't know because the story is entitled Robin Dies at Dawn, and I thought mm-hmm. there would be at least some sort of illusion or some sort of parallel to the classic Batman 156 story mm-hmm. that kind of tied into this in any way, shape, or form. I read it. And I just couldn't find the connection or why this was done. I mean, I, mm-hmm. this is the last issue of the volume. Perhaps that's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we These were uh, some tie-ins to uh, other stories where they gave us a little bit of uh, background mm-hmm. with, with that, with the way they wrapped things up in the uh, Origins on Omens tie-in. Because we did right. get uh, in the Nightwing, there was just like a little... Uh, short little story afterward which was sort of a tease and then in this one we got a little short little uh collective little narrative of uh the history of nightwing and then we got mm-hmm. the history of robin a little bit there and i almost mm-hmm. thought that was a little bit better than the story itself mm-hmm. for some weird reason lady shiva i i kind of dig as a character but i really don't know if the voice was kind of right here and i'm trying to remember back in this period what she was doing i think a few years prior she was in birds to birds of prey mm. which would have been about three years prior to when this came out and this yeah, was a right. character and if you read the birds of prey run by gail simone she's more aggressive she's doing yeah. this and this and this and she's got everything going on and she you know alpha female you know just really there totally. and i just really wasn't sure what this big mishmash was mm-hmm you know, you know, it could be that you know, with this, um, this Robin, this this was the last issue of the book, I believe. Yes. Um, for Robin, and um, you know, we know that Tim Drake is now moving on to a new role. Maybe Robin dies at dawn is you know the end of this Robin, and you know, um, opening opening up for the the new kind of setup that the Bat Family is going to be taking on. That was the only thing I could think of in terms of what that title could possibly mean. Yeah, I I was a little bit lost, and I to be frank, I I really didn't 
almost care at that point because you know everything <laughs> everything tends to be secular you know and I, I, I think you know with one thing changes one thing comes back if they does something it'll come back so sure. I, I don't know you know it was it was it was strange yeah yeah, yeah. this was a very um, you know as I read the the synopsis I think that is it's a little misleading in that. You know, this really, all of these stories are much more about what's happening to the characters internally with Bruce being gone, you know, thinking about what Bruce means to them and what their life means without Bruce. And there's much more of that. And, you know, kind of to TLDR it, they're sad and they (laughs) they really miss Bruce. Um, And it's more interesting than that, you know, as they go through the story. But, you know, that it's, it's, these stories are much more, um, internal rather than about, you know, who's fighting who. Gotcha. Yeah. I agree. So, you know, it's a little forced. Um, but, you know, they, you've got to keep continuity, right? So you, when you move to the next setup, you can't just lay it on people. You got to like bring them in. So, yeah. Um, where would you, how would you rate this? Um, and is it a must read recommend for you? Well, Jerry, a few comments, you know, uh, I don't know if I discussed the art too much. We talked about Dustin mm-hmm. Quinn, uh, a leaguer, but really did a marvelous uh, job with the stuff oh, he yeah. did. Uh, I thought the Gillam March stuff was really good. And to, uh, mention a couple of other things, that I didn't get out earlier, as near as I know, some of the issues that we mentioned here, some are in trade, some are not in trade. Mm -hmm. If you want to go back to look at any of the things we've mentioned, the back issue market has the prices of the individuals slightly above cover and slightly below. So they're kind of all over the place. I didn't see anything Mm -hmm. really, really exorbitant as far as the back issue market goes. And I think as far as my knowledge goes, they're all available on Comixology. Okay. Great. Okay. That said, and one other thing in the interim, I did look on uh, eBay real quick, and <laughs> Batman's thirty to the seventies sort of goes around the forty-five to sixty-dollar range, which Ooh, is okay. kind of pricey. But yeah. then again, for a hardcover that old, mm. and what hardcovers are fetching nowadays that collect Batman books, eh, mm. not not that bad, I guess. So hunt around, maybe you can find a good deal on it. Okay. Now back to the matter at hand. I was trying to separate my bias because usually I, I I take my role in the podcast seriously as this is a Bat Books for Beginners show. Mm-hmm. My problem was, would I think a beginner would be lost with any of the material in the Morrison stuff? Because mm-hmm. there were so many panels that referred to uh, Batman back issues that mm-hmm. I don't know would be lost on a beginner. I'm not saying that in uh, any mean way i don't want to talk down to anybody you know but mm-hmm. i think there's some panels here possibly you you may not get the reference to that said mm-hmm. i really like that morrison puts the stuff out there i think this exposes yeah. a new reader to something to batman history which i think is mm-hmm. really really cool yeah uh I thought the Nightwing chapters were really, really well done with the narrative, uh, mm-hmm. with with Dick and the closure. The exchange in Two Face was kind of long with the with the the, the interrogation, but you almost saw respect for foe and respect for villain there to a degree. And I mm-hmm. thought there was really some clever storytelling there that was provided by Tomasi. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did get suckered with with the Carol thing. Okay, I'll eat it, mm. you know. But we we thought she would come back, and yes, she did. Uh, I think this was above average. So if I was to say a two point five is an average score, I'm going to say this is a little bit above average. So I'm going to land at a three point oh three point oh okay. batarangs out of five on this. And I don't know if I necessarily 
say it's a must read or recommend though perhaps mm. if you if you really are into nightwing there's some good uh good material there and if you are uh want to acquaint yourself to some batman history i would say go for it but yeah. uh, i would recommend it on those levels jerry what were your thoughts and opinions what's your rating and would you say this is a must read and recommend well, I think that it, many pieces of this are definitely above average. And I think that some of the, the Morrison stuff you talk about, I think the Catwoman story is um, very satisfying. But there are an awful lot of kind of dead ends, um, some plots and whole issues that just kind of are what they are and then, you know, really don't have any impact or, you know, storylines that kind of go nowhere. And so because of that, I think I would bring it down a little bit. And I, I, I think overall it's a, it's a solid story, but overall it's an average story with, with a lot of much better than average things, but also a few not, not, not good enough to be average. So I'm going to kind of split the difference and go two and a half batarangs. Um, it's just, you know, a hodgepodge of conclusions to different stories. And just an analysis of the effect of Bruce's uh, disappearance on on the Bat family. I don't think this is a must read. Um, and I'd recommend it for, you know, completists. Or maybe if you've read a couple of Bat books and really have a taste for some of that old Bat history. Um, those, the Morrison stories, I think would definitely be something to look at. And I... You know, definitely the the one group of people that I would recommend this for is all of those big Carol Binghamton fans that are out there. You know, <laughs> she, you know especially the Grant Morrison stuff. I think you're right. Um, somebody that really likes that that um, that old old stuff and all those Easter eggy kind of things would get a big kick out of those those issues. Jerry, I think you nailed the word right there when you said hodgepodge. I think that that makes a good word. And hodgepodge doesn't doesn't necessarily mean bad by any no. means, but there there are uh, so many many different things here going mm-hmm. on you know with with a little bit of everything you know uh, with respect to uh, tone of story yep. uh, degrees of artwork mm-hmm. uh, illusions to uh, past and present and just sort of a, a vibe like I said earlier with with uh, chapters coming to an end you know yeah. where where whether it was a good or, or bad thing we, we did get resolution and i think a, yeah. a, a well-told resolution for the mm-hmm. most part mm-hmm. um and hodgepodge not to be confused with the old show on pbs called hodgepodge lodge that i remember Ooh, when i was like i remember that do you remember that i sure do was that miss peggy <laughs> was that the name of the gal who ran hodgepodge lodge i think it was was it miss peggy i miss think peggy? so yeah maybe darren sutherland knows if he's listening oh, he, yeah, yeah yeah tell sorry. us darren yeah you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i see where you're coming from jerry i think i think that's a fair opinion a fair score too yeah and and yours as well um definitely those, those easter eggs were pretty charming yes so you know for folks that um that are you know out uh listening to podcasts and and doing various things out on online um chris you do some other uh stuff other than this show don't you yeah thanks jerry uh i'm on twitter you can find me at b2 and bat books mm-hmm. i'm also on the batgirl to oracle podcast and over there i'm reviewing uh the batman adventures which is the mm-hmm. 90s batman comic book title based on the animated series of the time i'm mm-hmm. also looking at archie meets batman 66 well that's in progress and also i have a segment within a segment that i call Nightwatch, where i look at the current goings on on the nightwing title and i'm doing that through a shipper lens you know because mm-hmm. uh, stella's into shipping and i'm into shipping and we want to see what i 
Nightwing is up to. <laughs> Nightwing is going through a lot of transitions right now. It's not uh, Dick Grayson at the moment. It's Rick. <laughs> mm. And he doesn't want to have anything to do with his Nightwing uh, thing. But I thanks for letting me allow a teaser. But if you want any more, you're going to have to go to Batgirl Oracle to find out. Yes. Jerry, I know you're doing some great work on the Batman universe oh, with some you. written reviews. And can you tell us where uh, we can find those written reviews? And what are you looking at these days? Absolutely. You can find them on the BatmanUniverse.net. And I've been uh, reviewing Batgirl and Catwoman. Uh, they're two books that are that are really doing uh, some interesting, interesting things. I'm really enjoying the Batgirl run right now. Oh, yeah. And and Catwoman is <laughs> there's a lot going on over there. So, um, you know, go over to the BatmanUniverse.net and check out all of the great Batman and Bat family uh, work that they do over there. Now, I also, if you follow me on Twitter at Professor Frenzy, I tweet out my weekly comics. Uh, I talk about indie comics a lot, tweet about uh, Dark Shadows and various uh, horror movies I've been watching recently. And uh, Chris and I, we both live tweet horror movies at the hashtag Svengooly at um, 8 Eastern time on Saturday nights. And we we always have a good time doing that. Absolutely. Uh, At the time of this recording, the last episode was... uh uh, Creature from the Lake Lagoon, a horror classic, oh, yeah. and we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, and sometimes uh, Jerry sticks around for uh, Lost in Space afterward, and uh, <laughs> both of us usually are around for uh, Wonder Woman, which airs before Sven and sometimes oh, yeah. even as early as Wild Wild West, looking at those old reruns from the classic TV shows that we both really like. Yeah, check out the, the all the stuff at MeTV and all the various uh, super sci-fi Saturday night stuff that they do. This is uh, not paid. We MeTV has no idea what we're doing and, and pitching this. We just love it. Yeah, we do, and we have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I even like uh, the radio station MeTV FM as well, and uh, oh. I've had some interaction with them on Twitter, and it's been a lot of fun. Fabulous, fabulous. Jerry, on our last episode, we mm-hmm. looked at Nightwing numbers one. 47 through 150, and that was the story mm-hmm. called Nightwing the Great Leap. And this was in our last mm-hmm. episode, episode number 195. We had a nice comment from our good friend Ian Miller, yeah. who's on Twitter at IBM Miller, and he, he does a great job uh, over on the Batman universe. And I highly recommend you check out what he contributes, contributes, excuse me, to uh, the show and the podcast, uh, Batman Universe Comics. And Ian chimed in with, Guys, really thoughtful discussion here. I'm curious about the women in Fridges phenomenon. Would I hate the Joker as much if she murdered another cop besides Sarah S. and Gordon? I don't know. But thanks for shedding light on a relatively forgotten story. Exclamation point. Well, thank you so much, Ian. That, yeah, that's good for, yeah. for thought because I think there are characters that are more seminal with respect to history. They, they've, they, they've got a, a little more emotional impact because they're tied into a, a major supporting character. Sure. Uh, that said, I, 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 Ian's got me wondering now. I, I'm, I'm just going to have to make a list and, and think of that. Uh, yeah. Or do you think... Uh, You'd hate Joker anyway because he's the Joker. You know, you'd hate him just the same. So I, I really don't know. Ian always brings uh, some good food for thought discussion to the table. Definitely, definitely, great comment, Ian. Thank you. And we also had some likes and retweets from our past episodes, so we'd like to give some folks a shout out out there. We heard from Adjacent Culture at Adjacent Culture. We heard from the mm. Bat Pod at Pod. Bat. Now, that's a comic book podcast with uh, current storylines, and they're also having some fun. That's from our uh, good friends on Twitter at uh, at Gotham Night 13, Bill Beer, and at Joey Galvez 84. Terrific show. Yes, it is. We heard from the, speaking of terrific shows, the Tim Drake podcast. 
Oh, yeah. At ELTD Podcast. That's Robin. Everyone loves the Drake. We heard from Lava Hog at Lava Hog. Hey, that's our good friend Dave. Now, Dave co-hosts the Selling Out Show, and they're on Twitter at Selling Out, at Selling Out Show. That's a show about the world we live in, hosted by a couple of guys who screw up at every turn. Now, now, now. <laughs> good friend of ours, uh, Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop. That's a great oh. podcast, and you can find them on Twitter at Gal Walks. Now, mm-hmm. that's a show with Bob, who knows a lot about comic books, and Barbara, who's sort of a comic book snoopy, but she's, she's reading her fair share. They mm-hmm. do... Uh, Reenactments. They just did one from an old uh, <laughs> uh, issue of Jimmy Olsen where Jimmy goes in drag to kind of so solve funny. a mystery. That was a fun show. I really, love really that. love it. Uh, there's always something new and unique about uh, the podcast when they look at old issues, they look at new issues, and just great discussion. Sometimes they break into song. I, I really, really love Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop. Agreed. We heard from our longtime great friend, good guy, Green Lantern HG at Green Lantern oh, yeah. HG. Thank you so much for your support. We heard from Pseudonym at Pseudofolio. Hey, that guy draws things. Check him out on DeviantArt and his Tumblr portfolio. Again, Bill Beer at Gotham Night 13. Hey, it's Rob Myers at Drummer Rob 10. Secret Wars and Beyond podcast at Sean42AZ. Sean's the co-host of Secret Wars and Beyond on the Pulp to Pixel Network, and he also does the Nerdy Dads. And Sean's a frequent guest on other podcasts, and I really like it when Sean is a guest on another show. So educated, and he brings a lot to the table. Great, great podcaster. Yes. Speaking of great podcasters, it's our good friend Randy. You know, he's uh-huh. Randy the comics, comics nerd at, at Randall Andrews One uh, Soundtrack Alley and uh, Gen Thirteen Files. And they, he has that, a new show. New show. He just covered some uh, some anime um, a soundtrack, and uh, it's just you know I just really enjoy listening to Randy's shows. Yes, nice guy, great guy. Yeah, he also yeah. can be found at Randy Andrews at the Gen Thirteen Files and Randy the Comic Nerd at Randall Andrews One. We heard from Tommy Jackson Jr. at Little Tom 2099. Uh, Troy Zonka is Zonka Troy. Mm-hmm. And let's see, we also heard from Austin Kuykendall at Freebird 316. Uh-huh. And I think that's everybody. If I overlooked you, which is a distinct possibility, and my apologies, you can let me know on Twitter at BT1BetBooks or Jerry at Professor Frenzy, and we'll be sure to mention you on our next show. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's all we have for today. Please join us next time when Chris and I will cover... Whatever happened to the Cape Crusader? My name is Jerry. And I'm Chris. And thank you for listening to Bat Books for Beginners. Baby, don't go too fast Gotta listen to this podcast Give me a minute, that's what I said They're talking about a bad book I've read Bad books for beginners Bad books you like Bad books you like Bad books you like Bad books you like Keep it down, baby. Bad what I miss. Talking God with Jerry and Chris. You know I love that man. Bad family's a winner. Bad books you like. Bad books for beginners. Bad books for beginners.